Good morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Benny, it's getting hot out there. It is. I hope you're staying cool, and not for just us, across the entire, I feel like, the United States and our neighbors to and across the pond. They are experiencing, yeah. in, you know, England, all that, like, record-breaking record-breaking. Temperatures, but you know what? I like to stay cool, especially with you, Loretta. Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. mm-hmm, right. We'll just go. <laughs> All right, everybody. Imagine exactly. a cool breeze yeah. blowing through. You know, hang on. <laughs> those those um those uh, Tibetan monks or whoever you know that can melt snow. You know, they can also cool themselves down. So yes. maybe it's just a matter of. Mind over matter. Who knows? I right? Know, right? Totally. Yeah. But do take it easy out there. Make mm-hmm. sure you've got a lot of water and, and, you know, don't push it, people. And enjoy that sunlight. You know, that sun. That sun. Um, yeah. So I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last 27 years. Lots of things going on over there. You can find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com. And, of course, this Saturday, which is the day after tomorrow, I have my monthly class for women called Temple of the Divine Feminine. And we're going to have a great time because we're going to celebrate all kinds of things to include Mary Magdalene Feast Day, the rising of the feminine. Oh, there's so much we could say about that. But um, check that all out. And then a big shout out to my patrons. I am a listener-supported show. And from my heart to yours, thank you so, so much. So um, I have to do one last shout out Benny, I got to do it. I got to do it. I stayed up late last night for one beautiful reason. And I, I got to give a shout out to my daughter, Jenny Brown. You are the most awesome oh, trombone player in the universe. And she was on the Nahoku Hano Hano Awards last night. Um, it's the Hawaiian Grammys. With right. Yeah. We'll give her some applause there for, for Miss Jenny. And in fact, Woo-hoo. I did see your post and clip. It yep. looked like an amazing show. It looked very exciting, and how to be on like on such a stage on that realm? I mean, that's awesome, unbelievable, right? Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I had to stay up and watch it. You know, that's how that's got to be. But um, the aloha, as she says, because she's getting pretty good with Hawaiian, and I I have mm-hmm. trouble saying nahoku, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the aloha is that is just it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So. To all of those great Hawaiian uh, artists, those musicians, everybody keeping that alive, and also to my beautiful daughter, thank you for putting that beautiful energy out into the world, because we just need more of that. Yeah. So yeah. Well done. Yeah. I know. Once upon a time, I was her music teacher. Wow. So anyway. Those are some good roots. Got some yeah. good roots then. Yeah. Yeah. So she inspires me every single t- day. So it's really good. Yeah. And then I want to do a little quick astrology checking because, man, we are in it between now and the end of the month. Hang on to your hats. Um, hunker down. <laughs> Get under the desk or just go out there and stand with your arms in the air. It's like, bring it, you know. So Tuesday, Chiron began uh, turning retrograde. It will be retrograde from July 19th until sometime in December. This is a long retrograde. Chiron, the wounded healer, is about our core wound, and everyone has one. Everyone has a wound originating in childhood that in some way defines your expectations of the world. 
And this wound involves abandonment, a betrayal that might be almost too much to bear and might also lead into imposters. I'll talk to my guests about that today. But the process of becoming a mature human being requires an unwinding and releasing of this wound. And in Greek myth, Chiron was a centaur, half human, half horse. And Chiron's mother was a human raped by a centaur. And when she realized her baby was a centaur, she fled in horror. Chiron crawled into a cave searching for comfort and a group of wood nymphs took pity on him and brought food to the mouth of the cave. And every day Chiron would crawl forward, eat, and then retreat back into the darkness. Eventually he became too big for the cave and emerged giving birth to himself. In Egyptian myth, Chiron is Anubis, also an abandoned child. And Anubis was born of a secret trust between Nephthys and Osiris. Nephthys was sister and, con and Osiris was a consort to Isis. Nephthys could not take her baby home to her husband. And so she left him alone on the desert floor. Watching this was Isis who rescued Anubis and raised him as her own. And in their youth, both Chiron and Anubis were deeply affected by their abandonment. Eventually they must decide they can remain attached to their wounding or release it and step into their greatness. Both were destined for great things. Chiron became a teacher, a physician, and an advisor to Zeus. And Anubis became the way shower guiding newly deceased souls into and through the underworld where they undergo the renewal of their hearts. So if this transit is strong in your heart, it's an important time in your own process of healing your shadow self and collectively everybody, my beautiful souls out there listening, this is a tender time. Be gentle with yourself and with others. We've all been abandoned at some point. We've all suffered woundedness. So can we just activate our own hearts? Can we activate that compassion? Because I think when we go through the underworld, when we come out the other side, we become better, stronger, and our hearts beat in a different way. So can we see the pain of others and recognize them as a reflection of ourselves? It's a challenge, but it is a beautiful time of growth. So in addition to this Chiron energy, we have the Uranus North Node conjunction, a once in a lifetime alignment that takes place in the sign of Taurus. And this is gonna shake things up. This is the thing I've been talking about for several months. It peaks, this peaks on July 30 to 31st, but its energy is gonna be felt for the rest of 2022. And even though unsettling energy is not something we like to experience, the energy from this North Node, which is about our collective destiny, gives us some reassurances that whatever it is that happens is leading us to a higher future. So those challenges are personal, they're collective, they're wonderful, and we do look forward to them in every way that we can. And I would like to invite onto my show today, my guest. My guest today is Lisa Haisha, founder of Soul Blazing, life coach, author, transformational speaker, TV host, avid travel. She has an MA in spiritual psychology. She's lived many lifetimes in this lifetime. 
and probably past lifetimes, maybe she was a pharaoh at 2300 BC, we don't know. But her fascination with people has taken her to over 60 countries where she has worked in everything from boardrooms to yurts, helping people make shift happen in their lives. Much of her humanitarian work can be found on her website, whispersfromchildrenshearts.org. And we're going to be talking about her book, Soul Blazing, Transform Your Imposters into Superpowers and Live a More Purposeful, Authentic Life. Welcome to the show, Lisa. It's so great to have you. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thank you. And I loved your astrology. That's so true. We are in different times right now and every bit helps. Yeah, we are. And I was thinking when I was putting that together, how appropriate that is for you being on the show. Um, because that wounded healer thing, you know, that childhood thing, it, it, I think it's big. I think it's really big. Um, so I'm trying to figure out where to start. I want people to know a little something about you. How did you get into all of this? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm giggling because, you know, that is such a big question, right? Like, tell us a little bit about yourself and how, how you got into soul blazing. Well, it was a long journey. I never thought that that's what I would do. I thought I would be a sports doctor or <laughs> at some point, and, but a psychic, my maternal grandmother, um, went to a psychic when my mom was younger and she told she came over when I was around 10 and said oh I went to the psychic and she said my daughter you know my mother would marry a foreigner and have five girls and she had five girls and she married a foreigner and she said one of them was going to be a star and I just went I get to be the star just I, I didn't know what that meant or anything but it, to me it meant um traveling the world and it meant financial security and all of that. So then I started going, what is that? So I started being a voracious reader of autobiographies of Lauren Bacall, Liz Taylor, Marilyn Monroe, you know, everybody at that time, then reaching out to the Simone de Beauvoirs and Anais Nims and going, what does that mean? And so I think I was indoctrinated at that moment of seeing a bigger life for myself compared to, you know, we had our husbands picked out for us that we were living in San Diego, but you know, all Middle Eastern events and all that. So I was in this bubble. All of a sudden it expanded. And I think um, then when I was 16, I was baking a cake three houses down for another girlfriend with a friend of mine who lived a couple of houses down. And I came home and the streetlights were on and my dad was home and he was never home. And when I opened the door, he had a gun pointing at my heart and saying, we got to send you to an orphanage. What are you doing out like that? The streetlights are on and da, 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 da. what are you going to do? You're going to ruin all the other sisters and just went crazy. And I think because that's when Charles Manson was out and all these, mm -hmm. you know, in that time it was very dangerous. And he had five teenage girls at the same time. My mom had a daughter at 18, another at 19, twins at 20 and another at 22. So he's like, oh, is this what happens when I'm not home? You guys have to like stay in, go to school, come home, stay in locked house in the door. So, um, but that, you know, and then I went to my room, ah, you know, and then I thought, what is an orphanage and why would he, you know, cause we had a very close relationship, but that changed me to think, what if everything you think, you know, is wrong. So everything you're told by people you respect and admire parents, teachers, 
what if everyone is wrong about everything because he was wrong? I was not being bad. I was doing a good thing, you know, I was being of service and trying to create magic for another friend. So it got me thinking. Then I started hitchhiking, sneaking out of my window. I did it about a dozen times or whatever, but I would only get in cars with like hell <laughs> angels type. Okay. <laughs> Everyone might guess I fear. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Keep, yes. Yeah. Keep going. This makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone he said to fear. If like you pulled over, I'd say, no, 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 I'm just kidding. Sorry. But it had to be a skanky type person. So they'd pull up with a broken down car. They would look very, you know, disheveled and piercings, tattoos. And I would go, my dad told me I'm supposed to fear you. You know, I don't really need to go anywhere, but I just wanted to have a conversation with you. Like, why are you the way you are? Why are you broke? Why do you drive this car? Why do you have tattoos? Why do you have piercings? Why don't you have money? What's your story? And nobody hurt me. And everyone shared these stories. And then, you know, when you're a teen, you hold a lot in too. You know, every teen didn't have therapists back then. Now a lot of them do. And, or there are so many outlets on the line to talk. So I started sharing with them, oh, this is going on and this happened. So they became my therapists and my angels in a way, everyone that I was supposed to fear. So I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. Um, then it was time, I was 22 and I, you know, my dad said we couldn't go away to college. So you have to go at home and live at home and all that. So I went to San Diego State because I grew up in San Diego and um, Madonna was performing there her very first concert the virgin tour her first concert was at san diego state and i said that can't be a coincidence because she's someone who broke out of her huge family and her father's italian and domineering and all that so i said i gotta meet madonna so i went to that concert then somehow me and my girlfriend figured out where the band was staying and she and she, we thought her but no so we went to the hotel and waited and waited. We see the band come. We go up to the room with all the groupies and we're sitting there. And then I start talking to someone and he's like, oh, who are you? This and that. But everyone's doing their thing and their drugs, sex, whatever. And we're like, my girlfriend and I, oh, we have to be home by 11. We've got church tomorrow. We've got, he's like, what? <laughs> but at the end of the day, we switched numbers and then we kept in touch. And he's like, oh, come to this concert. Come. I'm like, I'm not allowed to spend the night. He goes, you're almost 23. I'm like, I can't do it. But then after about four months of phone calls, it ended up in New York. And I thought I got to go because I have to meet Madonna and all that. So I left a note. I'm so sorry. I had to go. I'm in New York. You know, see you later. So. I went there and I got to meet Madonna. I said, how did you become Madonna? And what do you, how do you, I'm so trapped in um, overthinking and being a fixer, all my imposters uh, trying to please others. I don't know sure. even what I like. This is, yeah, this is politically where you stand. This is how you are. This is who you marry. This is how you sit. This is how you laugh. If you laugh too much, you're a whore. If you show your gums, you're a whore. If you do this, you're, you know, so all these roles, I'm like, I don't even know who I am. So she said, you have to travel alone. So you could make all these decisions every minute on your own. And then that intrigued me. So I started doing that. Then I got addicted to that. And I've now I've traveled to over 60 countries and most of them alone, at least for two or three weeks of a month or two month trip. And I think all of that really started to shape me. And then I ended up moving to LA and dating this guy for about four years. And, you know, I was exposed to everyone from Prince. That's when Purple Rain was out and 
earth, wind, and fire at our house every day. They walk like an Egyptian. Everyone performed because he was a musician, a ranger, and all that stuff. And so right away, you know, everyone's like, if you move there, you'll never survive. And I'm with the elite of the elite. He was nominated for a Grammy right away. And I'm at the Grammy Awards. I'm at Madonna and Sean's wedding. And I'm like, wow, LA is so easy, you know. But I felt in a way it was meant to be. And all those experiences were meant for me to be a soul blazer because you know, going through so much pain and abandonment and, you know, heartache and then making a move and then kind of having the red carpet laid out for you in a way still struggles with, you know, the work and stuff, but having the opportunity to meet people who you've dreamed about or, and actually sit and talk with them. And I tried acting for a couple of years, but it didn't work out because I had, you know, uncle, you know, Najib and Miwa and Riyadh and Zuhara and all these people in my head. If you do one thing, you're going to ruin the reputation of everybody. I'm like, ah, I got a soap opera. They wanted me to do a love scene. I can't. I go, you're simulating. You're under the I can't because it looks like I want you to do this three seconds of nudity or have I see through. I can't. I can't. I can't. So I finally quit. And I thought, who am I? Where am I? And I'm sure you've heard of the hero's journey. So I thought I need a hero's journey. And I thought, if I'm not going to do that, what am I going to do? And then I fell in love with Christiane Annapur, you know, the war reporter. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I could maybe be a war reporter. That would be exciting. So they were bombing Iraq and I wanted to go to Iraq to find my roots. This is during, you know, the desert storm. This is so Gulf, the Gulf War. Yeah. I actually lived in Saudi Arabia. Go ahead. Oh my God. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, that's one country I have not been to yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, <clears throat> I heard that there's a um, bus from Jordan to Iraq that um, stopped five times. It's an 18 hour bus ride. And sometimes they kidnap Americans. And I thought, oh, I could get kidnapped because these are my buddies because of all the hitchhiking. I would bond with them and then I could write a book with them and I could solve world peace in the Middle East of why are you guys terrorists? Why are you hurting people? Why? Let me explain things to them. So I started to prepare. <clears throat> I had a funeral for myself, you know, like I, in case I don't come back, gave away everything. I had about 35 friends and my dad was there. And then, um, so I went and I'm at, uh, I'm at New York International about to go to Jordan. And I see a woman sitting there for about an hour and a half because you're there two hours early by herself. And I, so I finally went up to her and said, what are you doing? She's about my age. And she said, I said, are you going to Jordan? She goes, no, Iraq. I go, oh, where's your family? She said, oh, I'm going alone. I go, you're going to Iraq alone? Like, are you nuts? <laughs> no, that's what I was doing. She said, yeah. I go, why? Because, oh, I'm going to kill myself. I'm like, what? She said, I heard on the bus ride. I'm like, oh my God. I said, why? And she told me her story. She was the ninth child and she had to live this life. She had to be a lawyer, had to do this and do that. And Marion, she's like, I don't want that. I want to live in LA. I want to, you know, she had no freedom and there's no way you could, everything you do would cause shame to, and she had so many, everyone had five to eight kids, so all their siblings. So she had like a 50 family. So she was stuck. And I said, oh my God, I'm going there to get kidnapped you know, and then write this book and then be a war reporter. I said, why don't you join me? And we started laughing and bonded. So we went on this journey together. So when the bus was stopping, every time it stopped, I had fake cubic zirconia. I had a fake Louis Vuitton backpack. Oh, you need my papers. Oh, my diamonds. My dad would kill me if I ever lose these, you know, case of emergency. Oh, da, 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 da. But nobody heard us. Everyone, oh, Habibi, what else can I get for you? Like, ah, you know. 
but I ended up traveling through Iraq and then went to Til Kept, a Christian town. And in this town, all they had was, you know, a school, you know, a little library, a little restaurant, a church and an orphanage. And that's where my dad grew up. I'm like, that's the orphanage my dad was going to send me to. So I went in and started talking to the kids and they were sharing, why do you hate us? My dad died. My uncle lost his leg. Da, da, da. And they know we don't hate you. It's politics. And they're, they're saying, you do. Nobody knows our story. I said, I'm going to memorialize your words. I'm going to share your story. Then I thought, how am I going to do that? So I started recording them, videotaping them. Then when I came home, I thought, how would it, can I honor that? And then I, I got an offer for work in a um, Prague. And then I thought, oh, Budapest and Amsterdam is right there um, doing a trade show for a ball bearing equipment. And then it was like two days. So, but they fly you there, put you up. So I'm like, okay, I could do those. So I started going to all these orphanages. So over five years, I went to 15 and stayed there and worked with the kids and did this and did that and I interviewing them. And then I came back and with help from others, I put together a book called Whispers from Children's Hearts. Um, here it is. And oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and in it, yeah, you know, that's beautiful. Oh, I places. love that. Mm -hmm. I went, so yeah, I just started interviewing the kids like, who in the world would you want to meet? Is God fair? Why or why not? If you had one wish, what would it be? And listening to these kids' stories and how different they were from Iraq, from Australia, like Australia, I want to catch the biggest wave ever, you know, <laughs> you know, in Prague, I want to be a marionette designer and I want to create these stories. And Iraq, it's like, I just want to protect my home and I just want to have enough food to oh. eat. And so it was like fascinating at that age for me to experience all of that. And then after turning this into a book, I decided to take my daughter to um, Barcelona for a year for school for first grade. And, and that, I gave this book to libraries and schools. And then that got everyone going, oh, you come teach for second grade. Will you come share a story at the sixth grade class, this high school, then then this college, and then this woman's group, and then the mayor. And I thought the mayor was gonna be about 10 people. And it was like a thousand people in the audience for a big thing of everyone knew who's moved there. So they wanted to know how we felt living in their country. And also I'm on stage. And then from that, it triggered all this work all over Europe. And then I became a speaker. And I became an author without, I didn't consider this being an author because I'm just, you know, it's like a, a coffee table book just, but, and then I went, oh my God, now I'm, you know, I did what are the five fun facts of each country and how to say hello and thank you and goodbye. So I didn't even think of myself as a speaker. I just, you could kill 45 minutes with just going with each country. How do you say hello? And, you know, and, you know, whatever Arabic, how do you say it in France? How do you, how do you say goodbye? How do you say, I love you and peace and these different things. And that gave me a lot of experience. And when I came back, I decided to go get a master's in spiritual psychology because I felt I've already traveled at that point to about 45 countries and I felt very street smart. And I thought, let me learn a little basics because I really love helping people and sharing these stories. So many people's, you know, ab abandonment issues and their, you know, their childhood and their wounds were healing through these stories of these kids. I'm like, oh my God, there's something here. Let me start doing retreats and taking other people to these orphanages. So I, I've done about a dozen retreats over four or five years taking people to, you know, Bali, Costa Rica, you know, Egypt and, you know, uh, Luxor, all these different places. Um, and then that I saw, we come there and give things. We bring a suitcase of supplies and money. Then we go knock on doors like Oprah and go, oh, what do you need? Oh, you need bunk beds. You need chickens. You need goats. You need a floor. You need this. 
and helping them in one week's time. So every penny goes to them because you're hiring the locals to do everything. No big overhead and all that. And we brought medicines and shirts. And like, since I'm from Hollywood, I got Hollywood pencils and t-shirts and that was exciting to them. So we did all this stuff and it was so life-changing. So then to get my 3000 hours, I started working in prisons and then I got a bully in the prison my last day there. And, you know, what are you doing here? And why do you even talk to us? I'm like, well, why did you sign up if you don't want help? Because everyone else was very cooperative and wanted to learn. Because, well, you just get points. She said, I've been in here for 23 years and no one's helped me and I'll never get out. I'm a lifer. So I decided to mirror her and really reflect her on her and, um, started to talk to her and she's like, I can't relate to you. And she goes, look at your stupid briefcase. I hate it. You know, like it looks so like white and professional and all this stuff. How can you ever relate to me? I'm like, I hate my briefcase too. I brought it here to impress you. I said, look, there's really nothing in it. It's just a prop. So yeah, I get respect. And she goes, I don't respect that. I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> so, so I just look at her hands. <laughs> I started. I feel like the briefcase was a prop or part of your stage show, right? Like that, that'll make me look good. But anyway, keep going. I love your story. Yeah, because you're feeling insecure, you know, yeah. and you don't do this all the time, and it's a prison, and oh my god, and so, but that bonded us in a way. And then I just looked at, her, I said, just give me a minute. You don't have to be healed forever, but maybe you'll get one small aha or one small gift. I just held her hands and started telling her, I love her. I love her. And it's called eye gazing. And I do this in my practice of just connecting. So you get out of your head into the heart. And once you start having heart to hearts, people could shift. And finally, it, it um, garnered trust, apparently. So I started talking to her and I told her at her level of um, ugliness, I told her stuff, just spewed it out. And then she, you can't call me that. You got, And I'm like, yes, I can because of this and that. Um, th that's a long story. So, but we connected then because she's like, oh, wow, you went to my level and weren't afraid. And I came right up to her. I interlocked our knees and, you know, you know what your thing is. I wasn't sitting back and you're not supposed to do that. So she, I think she respected that. And then at the end of our session, she said, she was crying and she said, Lisa, you blazed my soul. And I said, Bella, you just gave me the name for my business. And I'm going to call it soul blazing instead of a life coach. So look, you said you had nothing to give, da, 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 da. Then I created, I call them declarations for her, but they're like affirmations. But I go, if you want to kill everyone who comes in and you hate them, how can reward, you know, why do you feel that way? Who gave you that? Because I feel every issue you have came from someone in your childhood. And it like sits there, like I equate it to like a ball of yarn in your head. Here are the yellow strands, the red strands, the blue strands, the purple. But if they're all, you know, bungled together, you, you don't have clarity and you're like, oh, I feel chaotic all the time and I can't make a decision. I'm always tired. I'm, but if you could just, you know, let, let's just focus on this yellow one. Okay. You, you've murdered three people and you have tendencies to kill. Okay. Why, where did that come from? Who gave it? You name it, then you could claim it and get rid of it. Oh, this happened. My dad did this to my mom. All da, 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 da. Then my husband came home and he was going to stab me. I stabbed him. Okay, great. So it came from your father's abuse of your mom. Then it made you feel this way. And your mom reacted that way. Um, so then we just broke it down. And so here's what you can say when I'm feeling that urge, how can I love someone? How can I change that anger to love? And then we came up with a new affirmation. So we did that with several of our things. And I said, carry this in your pocket. And six months later, the people at the prison called and said, what did you do to her? Completely changed. She is the person now who brings everyone in and shows them the ropes 
and she's running this place like she's a therapist and she raised I forgot the amount, but something like fifty or sixty thousand on a pay phone for battered women. Because oh, I told man. her you've got to give back. Once you start giving back, you're gonna start changing your DNA. It's gonna you're gonna start evolving into someone. I said, You're stuck here for life, but this is like a city. It's I I live in, you know, like Sherman Oaks. I'm like, this is your city. I said it has everything a city has. So quit fighting it. You're here, enjoy it, invest in it, and create your niche. Who are you and what do you want to give? And make it work for you. You don't have to fight it every day. Because like you said, you're never getting out. But she's like, since I'm never getting out, let me punish everybody here. I said, instead of that, love everybody here and see how your experience shifts. Wow. That is such an amazing story. Um, I'm also following how in its own right, it just organically unfolded for you. And uh, if I heard you correctly, Madonna launched you on traveling alone. And that, that made all the difference in the world although you'd already been hitchhiking with, you know, <laughs> crazy people. So um, uh, I, I love this idea that you would ask questions and get under, get to the person, right? Like there's all this stuff, yes. right? Like there's this tattoos or I killed these people or blah, 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 whatever it is. But you go for, you're going for the person and that might not even be the right word. Um, it's soul blazing. I want you to yeah, know who their yeah. soul was. You came into yeah. this world, this beautiful, innocent child. Why did you end up like this? And I realized there's nothing wrong with ending up like this. It was my judgment of, oh, you have to be, you know, prim and proper and every hair has to be in place and you can't have any markings on your body. You have to try to be a straight A student. You have to have material things to be happy and present yourself in a certain way. And I'm like, wait, these guys are perfect just the way they are. You know, the life is a very colorful place. If everyone's yeah, yeah. the same, you know, we don't have an interesting place. I, so I learned that, wow, allow everyone to be them. Let everyone choose who they're supposed to be. And um, there's darkness and there's light. And if there's no darkness, how do we know we get bored? If there's always everything happens yeah. perfectly and everyone's the yep. same. Yep. So yep. it's like all these ahas of going, oh, this is how, the, so I don't have judgment of people where I used to have a lot. And I think they sense that. And once they don't feel judged, they open up a lot. And I'm realizing, oh, this was a choice. They don't want to work, you know, 60 hours a week and climb that ladder and become top CEOs or whatever it is. They want to just sit on the beach more and they want to just do their thing. And there's nothing wrong with that either. So, you know, I traveled to Japan, I modeled in Tokyo, and while I was there, I ended up going, to, where are the Yakuza, you know, like, oh, I said, I just want to make sure I stay from the area, and I went right to that area, you know who the Yakuza are, they're like the gang members in Japan, like the bad guys, and you could tell who they are because their pinkies are cut off, and I read all about it before I went there, so I went to a place where they stay and hang out, and I just, I see you still have your pinkies. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. I do. I did not convert. <laughs> but I just, I'm looking at how bold I was back then. I, they yeah. were in a booth and I just slipped into their booth. Excuse me. Like, a, I go, I want to talk to you. They're like, what? I go, you guys are Yakuza. So I know you, you, you like probably kill people. You have a severed head in some locker somewhere. I said, I want to know who you are. They go, we don't have that. I'm like, well, tell me, who are you then? This is the stories I've read who are you? I, I'm just here for a short time and I want to understand. And so I had this voracious curiosity about what makes people tick and who makes them who they are and what caused them to be that, you know, what, what, um, 
what inciting incidents, if you're talking screenplay writing, put them on this path of, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stand in front of businesses and you have to pay me $50,000 or we're going to ruin your business or we'll protect it if you give us 50K a year. You know, who created that and why did they choose to bully these people? And so it was just fascinating to me. So I started going around trying to find all these people. I went to the geishas, hunted down a geisha. Ah, who are you? And it took me into a hostess club and she was working there. And they're like, you can't come in. I'm like, oh, I'm the new girl. They're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, we didn't have that on. I'm like, oh, yes. So they seat me and I'm now like talking to all these women and geishas and the men who come see them and who are you? How did you become this? And, you know, it's just fascinating to me because, you know, everything I was taught was to serve the man. Women have no value. Go to school, but don't be too smart. And if you are smart, don't show it and don't make money. If you make your own money, that means you have no value. No man's willing to pay for your life, you know? So all these things, and I'm going, these women are trained to serve men and just do everything for men. So who are you? How does that feel? And where did you get this way? And why would your parents do, you know, questions, questions, questions. And, you know, I did that all over the world and it gave me a wealth of information. And I'm working on that book now. It's called I have two of them, one's Unmade Beds, which is all these travels. And then another one called Under a Baghdad Roof, where it's just my journey to Iraq and back. Because I think it's important for people to go on their hero's journey yes. and figure out who they are, why they made certain decisions, who they want to be and what that will take to do it, to create their roadmap because we live one life. And I teach these classes, the first Zoom, they're 10 classes each, three tiers. One is knowing who your imposters are. And imposters, I mean, what defense mechanisms did you um, start creating for yourself to protect you from being hurt? You know, oh, I'm too fat and I'm not lovable. Okay, take that ass. Who are you? Oh, it means someone, your childhood did this and that and you went to emotional eating and all this could be switched and changed. And if you embrace it, if you love yourself as you are, because that's all we've got is the now love yourself. And once you embrace yourself, you could start shifting and changing anything one step at a time. Oh, I'm dumb. Someone said I was dumb. And my dad said I was dumb in sixth grade and paid me for C's and no one. So therefore I never went to college and I never got a good job because I'm the dumb one. Stop one minute in your life when you're like, 13 or 12 yeah. you're gonna yeah. live your whole life like yeah. that are you kidding yeah. me so it's like once people go oh my god I didn't even realize it was like just one minute or maybe a less than a minute 30 seconds you're dumb you know or whatever it ruins a whole life and I interviewed thousands of people and everyone has these stories oh this happened that yeah. happened so I thought how do I break this down to bite-sized pieces because the ego is so big and if you hear a lot of thought you, your ego versus this and that I'm like People aren't getting that. How do I break it down? So the imposters are kind of like your ego, your personality broken down to the fixer or the overthinker, or your seductor or your ego test, you know, all these different things. There's more, but I kind of put a bunch of them into one just to make it simple for people. So how do you live life? If you're going for a job, do you try to seduce? Do you use your sexuality? Or if you're hiring, do you do that to you know, offer a job or take something away from someone? Are you an egotist? Are you a bully? You know, and I don't care who you are. I'm the king and start making people feel bad about themselves. Or are you a fixer? Do you never get your stuff done? Cause you're so busy fixing ever, other people's lives. Cause you feel like you don't really deserve it or you'll never make it. And, you know, are you an overthinker? Do you have these projects that you never finish? And then you die with your song still inside you because you're a perfectionist and I'm not good enough, but 
you know, all these things. And it was just fascinating to me. And then that's how soul blazing came around. And I kept notes all for 20 years. I'm like, I've got to put this in a book somehow. <laughs> Cause I started, you know, doing workshops, retreats and all this stuff. But do you have a book? No, it's like just here in my notes. I thought, you know what? Now is the time during COVID. It's the time to write yes. it, get it out, yes. birth it. Because now people need more help than ever. Everyone is messed up. I have a daughter. It's like yes. just every, all these teenagers, everyone's lost. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I need the book. I got to get out there more. And I've got to really spread the word and try to help people take off their mask. Who are you authentically go on your hero's journey, regardless yeah. of what age you are. Yeah. And yeah. I loved your book, by the way. I read it. Soul Blazing uh, by Lisa Haisha, my guest today. And I want to, I want to, I want to talk briefly about these imposters, right? Because I, I actually agree with you. I think the last couple of years with everything that's happened, the pandemic and the lockdowns, people have had a lot of time to <laughs> be in their room. <laughs> yes. Think about who you are before you come back out, right? That's what mom used to say. And, um, the, but what is the difference between, cause you call this imposters, you call it the seven stereotypes or you come up with seven imposters. What's the difference between imposter and imposter syndrome? Well, imposter syndrome is feeling like a fraud. Yep. You've made it big. And, uh, you know, my husband was a big uh, showrunner and television producer, did, uh, you know, a hundred shows, including Big Bang, Two and a Half Men, Sybil, Murphy Brown, all these shows. So I was exposed to a lot of big celebrities. I, I, I was doing some work in that field anyway before, but even bigger ones now. And so many of them going, I hope I'm not found out, or I can't believe I slipped in and I, or I don't deserve this. I'm getting, I feel guilty. Take, I'm like, why? And so many of it was imposter syndrome. Right. It's like, I hope people don't find out who I am because I'm just little person from Oklahoma or I'm just this little person from Minnesota or even me, San Diego, who am I to talk to all these people? I, I mean, I've worked with, you know, billionaires in Japan. I've worked with everybody from, and I'm like, who am I? I'm just this little scared Chaldean girl from San Diego, you know? And it's like, how did I get here? How did I get there? How am I in Russia? How am I in Prague? How am I in Australia? And it's just fascinating to me because that always comes of, oh, are you a fraud? Who are you to do it? This is for other people. So that is imposter syndrome. Um, imposters are uh, almost the opposite where you keep putting on masks to yeah. protect yourself from your yeah. greatness. Right. You know, if um, whatever it is you want to do, oh, I'm not good enough, or I can't do that. I can't do this live show because what if this happens or that happens? So you don't create these opportunities. Oh, later, later, you know, you put everything off your life on hold because you're afraid of not being good enough. So once you understand your imposter of which one, and I have an imposter quiz on my website, which one is living on the stage of your brain, making decisions for you. And once you start seeing that, because I have my clients do a mind dump, like just set the clock for two minutes or five minutes and just start free writing and write everything that's in your head. If nothing starts, stops, you know, you can't hear anything, just stop for a moment and listen, then it'll start coming again and write and you'll see. They say you have 40 to 70,000 thoughts per day. Most are negative and most are repeated. So what thoughts are in your mind all the time that you're not even aware of? Once you write it down and you're aware of it and who gave it to you, oh, my mom used to say that to you, or my dad or this teacher or this friend or this bully or whatever it was, 
you go, oh, that just came from this dysfunctional person because we're all dysfunctional. Who are they to like label you something? They're just a human being themselves. Once you're an adult, you look at your parents and go, oh, so sweet. You know, they're older and you're the parent. You're like, and I gave you so much power, you know, but we're all just these frail, sensitive, dysfunctional people running around. So once you understand that and you go, oh, okay, let me create my own life and you claim it. So you go, there's a thought. So when it comes, I, my way is this, but I don't to do it their way. I like put it on a leaf and let it float down in a little meditation. And I look at it and I just release it going, that's not true. It's a story that was created by someone else, but it's just a story. So that's like the first part of my, you know, I have this um, 30 week zoom. So the 10 classes are about that really knowing your imposters, claiming it, owning it, massaging all of them. The second course is uh, knowing your story. So once you know who gave you these and you understand it and you're practicing in your day life, now rewrite your story. Let's just say, you know, my dad said I was yeah. dumb. You go, oh, my dad thought I was very smart. He was worried about this. He felt maybe he wasn't dumb and he made bad decisions and he put that on you. So you would have a better life because he loved me so much. Or for me, the gun incident, People, oh, how did you do that? Oh, what a horrible person. No, he wasn't horrible. He grew up in Iraq. He was riding in the streets. He saw dead bodies everywhere. That was his way of going. I have five teenage daughters that I love so much that I need to protect them. And this was just a symbol for him. For us here, it's like, ah, we don't do that here. But for him, it was just a symbol. He wasn't ever actually going to shoot. It was just, don't do it. This will happen to you on the street. So once I went to Iraq, I figured that out because I got to meet with Taha Ramadan, Zurich Aziz, you know, the vice president, the secretary of state, all these people, I'm going, why are you guys the way you are? Why do you have these uprisings? Why do you, you know, and it's like, oh, this is just, their gun is just like uh, yelling at you. Yeah. So once I got that, all the, I'm not lovable. I'm a victim. I'm a, all that went away. And it's like, oh, I'm powerful. I am so loved. And I'm supposed to, this was a gift for me to open myself up to give to other people and crack open their souls. And, but if that incident never happened, I would have never went to Iraq, never went on that journey, never met these orphans, never traveled that much with purposeful travel, um, giving back travel instead of what can you leave in every city you visit instead of what can I take with souvenirs who, what can you give people whose heart can you crack open? Who can you make smile? What gifts are you taking with you? Then randomly giving it to that person. Cause when you're set the intention, I have this, someone needs this or wants that, you know, that's a beautiful thing. I remember I was in Prague um, on a bus. Yeah, it was Prague. And I was, um, it was like a subway a train thing. And I got on. And then when I went to go sit down, the train jolted and I fell in the lap of this grandma who was, you know, the seats are right across from me in her lap. And I just fell on her lap and she was like 80, 85. And I looked at her and I just felt the connection. I'm like, grandma, it's been so long. Just, I was in a silly mood. She went like, oh, taking a bath, like crazy American girl. And I sat next, right in my seat and we're looking at each other and we're just staring at each other. And there's such familiarity. She took my hands and held them. And then it was just like a minute and she was off on the next stop. Then when she stopped, she unclasped a necklace and put it in my hand and closed my hand. Then I helped her off the train. It was this beautiful necklace with peace and a little amethyst um, on it. And I went, oh my God, this was my grandmother who passed and she missed her granddaughter. So it was a moment that we both had a 
maybe a memory of something lost and past that we connected. And how would that happen if you don't travel with an open heart or travel with what can I give? It could have been, oh my God, I'm sorry. Then, you know, just don't look at someone. But in that connection, that happened about 25 years ago. And I still think about it daily today. And I still have that necklace. And it's like, right. And it's like, we miss so many opportunities. Most people live in black and white, you know? And they're just a me and I can't connect with others. Everyone's out to get me. Everyone's a stranger and got to protect myself. And if you, I know today is difficult times and there's a lot going on, but if you could open your heart a little bit and go, who can I connect with? Whose life can I make a little better each day? Think of how the world changes. When you go to a country and you give them something on on the street or just meeting someone at a cafe and going, oh, here you guys. People are so moved because people don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a story they could tell people the rest of their life, you know? Yeah. You're saying so many wonderful things. I want to remind the listening audience that your your wonderful book, Soul Blazing, Transform Your Imposters into Superpowers and Live a More Purposeful, Authentic Life. It's a great book. You really should get it. And I also heard you say that you're doing courses that people can get into. And I just want to say the seven imposters you have identified, and you talk about them in detail in the book and also with exercises for people are the judge, the egotist, the seductor, the victim, the overthinker, the fixer, and the joker. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Can Can a person have more than one? Can you have them all? (laughs) I have them all. (laughs) I messed up too. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's like an onion though, right? You know, when you keep having these layers, that makes you interesting. But then when you see it, you could say, if you, you know, you read the book, you could see there's the saboteur and there's the superpower. If you're not connected and knowing what it is, you go to the ugly side and you make bad choices. But once you see it and you accept it, because I don't believe you could get rid of your, uh, you know, your negative side, your imposters, people say, oh, you could get rid of it. I don't believe that. I think it's almost like you're wounded. All of these are your wounded aspects of your wounded inner child. So love it and just cradle it like, you know, you would a newborn baby, your little baby, and just go, oh, how do I turn it from a negative to a positive? Because all of them have superpowers, yeah. you know, yeah. instead of being a victim and going after narcissists to support you. And then narcissist goes for victims, go, oh, okay, I'm a victim. That means I'm empathic and I'm loving and I'm nurturing. Focus on those instead of, oh, I need help and I can't do life alone. You know, it's like a big difference. So once you get who you are, this book shares how you could empower yourself. And then, so you're all of them. And I think that's healthy, but they're superpowers now instead of weaknesses. Well, and I love that idea, right, of, of turning them into superpowers. I just am going to quote one thing that I just opened the book and it popped to. Uh, people with dominant egotist imposters who are self-actualized are often strong and self-possessed leaders direct in their interactions with others and even protective of others. And many of them are true trailblazers. And when they empower people instead of intimidating them, they are remarkable change agents. And I look at that as just an example of what you're talking about, where you can turn this into a superpower. I think that knowledge is power, right? Like if we recognize what we're doing, like especially the victim, because you talk about that being the mothership of all imposters. And uh, I think I'm, I'm like... Could we just, you know, kind of shift that a little bit? Like we're not victims here. Let's just take a look at all that, right? Absolutely. So 
yeah, we don't have time to get into it too deep. Um, but I just, I just love what you put together. Um, I'm, I'm so thrilled by your story. I'm like, what a great, yeah. So one day just write your story, right? <laughs> it is on there. Yeah, 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 it's good. But the, also you said something um, about rewriting people's stories. And I think that's super important. Um, very quick, we have like two minutes left, which is ridiculous. What is the soul framework, S-O-U-L, and this is your, your um, creation? Yes, that is, I, again, I work with clients on that for, you know, when something happens to you, most of us are really reactive, you know, and just jump and attack, and then it starts conflicts, and so soul, S, stop. If something happens to you, you're trying to just stop for a minute, take a minute, then observe what is going on, what's going on in my body, why am I triggered, understand it, where did it come from, who gave it to me, the back to the name it, claim it, and then um, respond instead of reacting, and then that will liberate you for the L. And then you're liberated. You're not, oh, this person was mean to me and said this, so therefore I'm going to be a jerk to someone else or be depressed all day or all week or all year. Some people are angry if something happened to them 10 years ago. I'm still angry that person did this to me. It's like, oh my God, you're allowing someone else's behavior to affect your mood every single day, every single minute. So S-O-U-L helps liberate you from that because you respond, you don't react and you don't allow other people's moods and energy to affect yours. That's their yeah. thing. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. And that's it. You know? Yeah. So I want, I do want to encourage people to get Lisa Haisha. Is that how I say your name? Haisha. Haisha. Okay. Um, soul blazing, transform your imposters into superpowers and live a more purposeful, authentic life. I also want to point out in the back of the book, she's got great tools and I, I, I really mean it. Read through this, connect with her. Where do they find you, Lisa? soulblazing.com is my website and I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. Yeah. And, and last words. <laughs> last words. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Everyone else is taken. So be you authentically. <laughs> and the way to be you authentically is to get the book, find out who you are, first of all, and, and then like rewrite your story and then soul blaze your way to abundance in oh, every wow. area of your life. That's the third tier of the classes. W what a joy to have you on my show today. I'm sorry we don't have much more time to talk. My, I feel like my story is like kind of reflective of yours. So, so much love to you from my heart to yours and to every, yeah, really connect right there. And we'll send that beautiful love out into the world. And really we can change the world. We're here to do it. And um, so anyway, blessings to you. Thank you to everybody that's listening. Benny, you're the best. And aloha, Jenny Brown. I love you. <laughs>